Hello everyone, this is Deborah Richardson and today I am putting the AP in Happy where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. This podcast will give a voice to accounts payable team members by talking about the growing reality of cyber attacks in their world and which vendor setup and vendor management techniques they can apply to protect the vendor master file from fraud. So if you and or your team are still taking phone calls and receiving vendor supporting documentation via email, you need to authenticate that you are talking or communicating with your vendor. Please visit deborahrrichardson.com slash authentication where you will find a workshop on how to build an authentication reference. This is the answer to the question, are you communicating with your vendor or with a fraudster? Learn more today at Deborah R. Richardson slash authentication. Automation in accounts payable is definitely not new, but many AP teams are turning to automation as we deal with continued remote working. If a vendor self-registration portal is your automation, you don't want to miss this episode on lessons learned on the users. Keep listening. Welcome to episode 113, Lessons Learned Implementing a Vendor Self-Registration Portal, Part 2, The Users. As a result of the continued pandemic, many AP and procurement teams have renewed their efforts to implement automation solutions that will help with efficiency, productivity, and the reduction of fraud that has plagued many remote workers. Now, this is a three-episode series on lessons learned implementing a vendor self-registration portal, and it may be able to, uh, to provide you with that 2020 hindsight in advance to make your project go smoother. In part one or episode one, uh, the first episode, which was episode 112, we talked about the portal. So definitely check that out if you haven't heard that first. Um, Next week will be part three or episode 114, where we'll be talking about the vendor team. But for this week, which is part two, we are talking about the users, the key to vendor portal adoption. Now, in the first part of the series, episode 112, I talked a little bit about um, where these lessons learned came from. And basically, it came from my implementing or leading the team that implemented a vendor self-registration portal for over 140,000 active vendors across five different ERPs. And so... One thing that I consider a critical contribution of the users is that they are the key to vendor portal adoption. So I have two lessons learned. The first one is to communicate with employees 
early and often. Bring in stakeholder groups early, get key stakeholders' opinions since they can be in the process and be uh, super users or power users. Bring in purchasing, bring in sourcing from the RFP through the testing process as appropriate. Now, if there are groups that submit a large volume of vendor requests, include them as well early on so that discussions can be had to determine how their downstream or upstream activities will be impacted. Uh, identify one or two team members from each of those groups and include them in the testing phase. And actually having these conversations uh, for me was very valuable because that was the only way we found out what they actually did with those vendor supporting documents. We knew about some processes, but not all. And here's a hint for you. If you have your internal employees collecting uh, supporting documentation from your vendors to submit, they're not discarding those uh, supporting document uh, documents in a safe and secure way. As a matter of fact, they're not discarding them at all because one, they considered it um, a, a, um, a hard thing to get the supporting documents, especially to get them and to get them um, filled out correctly. So that was a long and tedious process um, for them to do. And two, they don't ever want to do that again. So they're going to keep them. They're going to keep that bank form. They're going to keep that um, bank account information on letterhead. They're going to keep that tax, uh, W-9 that has a, a tax ID that happens to be a social security number. They're keeping all that stuff. And one other thing that we found out, which was um, definitely blew my mind, was that some of these groups had their own databases where they not only kept the documents, but they also kept other vendor data. So now we have uh, to bring uh, those uh, uh, groups and, and that uh, uh resource or platform in to look at it because now it's a data governance issue because they have what's considered sensitive information stored outside of the uh, uh, system of record. And so we found out a lot during that process. Um, and again, we knew about some processes, but we definitely did not know about all. So you're going to learn a lot as you do that, and it's going to be good for you and the other team. And that's when you can really make some efficiencies and processes uh, by the way too. Now for those groups or individuals that don't submit requests in volume, but would have to use the new portal, have a way to keep them up to date on a regular basis. I do have an example of a video that can be created to introduce a vendor registration portal in two minutes to these types of groups. And I will have a link to that on my YouTube channel, uh, to that video on my YouTube channel in the show notes. So be sure you check that out. Now, most importantly, you want to have a way for those internal employees or stakeholder groups to communicate with you and, and provide feedback. Some companies have internal pages that can be dedicated to a topic. That's actually what we did. Um, but build one for the portal project uh, if, if you do have that uh, access. Uh, keep that information updated, especially after go live. And speaking of go live, um, have a 
recurring live call with those internal employees, um, say every Thursday uh, at a specific time, the same time each Thursday where anyone that has questions can jump on. We found that many people jumped on not to ask questions, but really to listen to everyone else's question. Um, and they were doing that so that they can get um, tips and suggestions and uh, on how other people are using the portal. And that live help can really make the difference for employee adoption. All right, so speaking of adoption, the second lesson learned is that vendor adoption may not be high at first. So you want to phase in which vendors you move to the portal at a time so that your team is not overwhelmed with any issues the vendors may have registering for the first time. So you wanna group vendors by geographical region or new versus existing vendors. And I'll tell you many uh, companies, we didn't do this, but many companies will start off with only new vendors and that way they don't have to um, uh, train existing vendors that are used to submitting requests a certain way they didn't have to retrain them initially they started with only new vendors and onboarding them into uh, into the portal. And that way as well, you don't have to worry about loading that historical data, which can be, you know, a whole project in itself because one, you have to make sure that your data is clean enough so that you're not loading in their duplicate vendors or active vendors that really should have a status of inactive because you haven't done business with them in 15, 18, or 24 months. And just to be clear, you want them marked as inactive. So when they do come into the portal or when they are part of what uh, the vendors that you want to now come in and, and update their registration, they will need to um, uh, not necessarily re-register, but they'll be triggered to update their, uh, their uh, registration with updated documents as well. Now, the next thing under here for vendor adoption is make sure you have multiple ways that they can have access to training. Include in the portal, um, usually there's some type of a vendor dashboard. Make sure you include portal uh, or links to PDF user manuals and or videos. And make sure you have one topic per um, so you don't overwhelm the, the vendors. And some portals also now have chat bots that can assist vendors with their questions uh, as well. Now, the last thing I wanna say for vendor adoption is that um, in part one, uh, the portal, which was episode uh, 112, I talked about um, not over customizing um, the portal. So your vendors will definitely uh, appreciate that and you will too because you will have less abandoned registrations. And there's nothing worse than a vendor getting an invitation to register in the portal 
and typically the invitations will tell them uh, uh, what they need uh, in order to register and also how long it's going to take and you definitely do not want to send an invitation that says it's only going to take you 10 to 15 minutes and in reality it really takes about 25 to 30 minutes that usually results in abandoned res uh, registrations. So you definitely want to extend that uh, or understand that not over customizing really does improve your vendor adoption and result in less abandoned registrations. Okay, so those are the two lessons learned and, you know, making sure you include your internal employees in the process as applicable, as well as understanding that vendor adoption can be an intended gradual effort will make your vendor self-registration portal implementation go much smoother. So thanks everyone. I hope you enjoyed the 113th episode of the Putting the AP in Happy podcast, where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. Don't forget to check the show notes for the links mentioned in the podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing and writing a review of my podcast on the platform that you use to listen. Stay happy. Stay happy.